Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that pride themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley. Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop with the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the Kings Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, right for the Kings Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going today? Will, the Kings are literally the hottest team in basketball, so it's it's going pretty good, and I'm excited to uh, spend an hour or so with you and Jerry today. Amen to that. Well, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It's the true pride of French like himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, an absolute pleasure to have you today. Boy, it's a pleasure to be with you guys today. Just uh, we get to talk about the Kings. My <laughs> goodness. Man, that's a talk about joy. Uh, Tony, I don't know if you can edit this, but we got to find a way to find like the podcast from exactly this time last year <laughs> yeah. and just hear just, just the tone and timber of our voices <laughs> in comparison to what we were talking about last year at this time. That is a good idea. I bet you could like. Uh... <laughs> Put every first 10 seconds together and have a really fun timeline of like how the Kings got better over the last two and a half years. Yeah. Boy. It's just it's just a lot of whelp guys, whelp guys, <laughs> yeah. wild guys, well guys. And then all of a sudden it's it's just joy. It's joy. It's, so it's joy. That's all. Yeah. We have a grand total of 13 games left to go in the regular season. Uh the Sacramento Kings at time of recording are four and a half games up on the Phoenix Suns for the Pacific Division title. They're a half game up on the Grizzlies for second place in the West. Uh, at this point, they're closer to the first place Nugget squad than they are to the six seeded uh, Golden State Warriors. Uh, times are good. The Kings are ten and two since the All Star break, as Tony mentioned. They're the hottest team in basketball, having won seven of their last nine since uh, since we've spoken last. Okay, so Jerry, Tony, I worried that the Kings might not win thirty nine games this year. We talked about it prior to. I've made bets that we've talked about. Uh, they're at they're at forty two wins with thirteen still to go. Uh, sum up for me how you felt these last two weeks as the Kings passed. 40 wins for only the eighth time since they've been in Sacramento. And uh, and for the cocky heck of it, um, why don't you also uh, let me know whether or not you think the Kings can uh, go for broke and win 50 games this year? Well, I, I'd start here. I'd just say this, that uh, they've surprised me every step of the way and, and positively surprises. You know, I've been surprised in the past negatively uh, many times, but this team, uh, you know, they've just surpassed everything I could have wished for them, really. Uh, and, and then at the all, at the all-star break, which is, you know, obviously three quarter break, but, uh, I just 
honestly, and I was a kind of a negative Nelly. I, I just assumed that uh, the Clippers, you know, and, and, and probably, probably the Suns would pass them. And I was, I was fairly confident they'd stay in the top six, but now it's like, Whoa, you know, they've came out of the, out, out of the box fighting and uh, you know, Hey, they got a shot at one. I, 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 I think that's pretty going to be pretty difficult to do, but but uh, I certainly think they can keep number two. I think they can get to two and keep it. I, I don't really think they can get to 50, but that's uh, I'd like to be wrong again since I've been wrong about 87 straight times with this team. <laughs> Buddy, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty natural for a Kings fan to be waiting for something to start going wrong at some point. And like Jerry, I mean, I was pessimistic a little bit after the trade deadline because Monty didn't do much. And then I was pessimistic when Fox got injured there for a few games after the All-Star break. The Kings won both of those games without Fox. Um, Pessimistic with the strength of schedule after the All-Star break compared to all the improvements the other teams in the West made. And that that wasn't an issue for this team. Even coming back down to this last uh, back-to-back set, um, on the east, uh, uh, on their Eastern Conference road trip, like you can be a little pessimistic there. Maybe they'll drop some games, but no, they they just keep winning. Um, so can they hit fifty games? My instinct again is to say no. Like at some point, something is not going to break right for the Kings. But uh, as Jerry said, they've proved me wrong time and time again. Even though I do like this team, it's not like I'm you know down on them. I'm just like everything can't go right all the time, right? But it has. <laughs> so um, fifty wins, sure, why not? I mean. Who knows? But they've they've uh, they've done enough to to make you think it's possible. You know, okay. So the Kings still have games to play against the Celtics, Nuggets, Suns, Warriors, Mavericks, and Timberwolves. Fifty games is a maybe. How likely do you guys think it is right now? Considering what Phoenix still has left, uh, Memphis with uh, the situation with Jaw, maybe Jaw comes back right near the end of the year. How likely do you guys think it is that the Kings keep the number two spot in the West? Well, I kind of think it's likely. You know, they're playing better than anybody else. Uh, really no serious injuries that we know of. Obviously, Kevin Herter is a concern. But, uh, you know, if there's one position you have some depth, that, that's probably it. Uh, so, and certainly with, you know, I mean, I think everything that uh, this team has done has turned out right. Monty McNair, you know, getting Walker, uh, Kessler, or Kessler, Kessler Edwards, or whatever his <laughs> name is. I don't know. But, uh uh, but my gosh, he's been a nice addition. And so you, you got another guy you can plug in there and play minutes, you know? And uh, yeah, I think they can hold on to, I think they can get the second and keep it. I really do. I, I, I mean, uh, I've said this before on some of the other stuff I've been doing. It's like the one thing I'd say about this team and this and the West this year is there's nobody they should be afraid of. There's not a single team that they couldn't beat in a seven game series now the negative is there's a few that might could be you know it's it's just not a sure thing by any stretch. The the real power in this league right now is in the East. And Tony, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it, this is the biggest difference between when we recorded last and when we're recording now. Is the Kings were in this in the second spot um, last episode, and I thought the teams behind them would certainly catch up. And now two weeks later, the Kings are in the second spot, and I don't know who's catching them. Phoenix, if they were healthy, maybe Memphis has so many issues. Um, Another, I mean, the John Morant stuff, everyone's talked about that so frequently, but like Dylan Brooks is just <laughs> in the news every other day for some other nefarious act. So I, I don't know. The Memphis Grizzlies have some weird, weird vibes at the moment. The team I would be most afraid of, the team that I think is playing the best in the West right now is the Clippers, but they're just too far behind. So 
the Kings have have done done what they had to do, which was create enough separation from the teams that you that that are playing better down the stretch. And now they went from uh, a second seed that I thought was going to lose it to now a second seed where um, they could lose it because the West is so flat. But I think they're the favorites to, to end there at this point. I guess we'll I guess we'll move. With, I, I've got this kind of in a different order here, but I want to I want to kind of get to this only because we're flowing there. I don't want to look too far ahead and talk about necessarily like our guaranteed playoff matchups, but I'm feeling fairly good today. I'm feeling a little frisky after the Kings gone 10 and two since the all-star break. So I'm curious, have you guys given any thought at this point to who you wouldn't want to face in the first round of the playoffs? We're kind of looking at like the T wolves, Mavericks, Lakers and thunder with maybe the jazz and Pelicans still there on the hunt. You guys have any preferences to who you'd face versus who you not necessarily who you're afraid of, as Jerry said, the Kings shouldn't be afraid of anyone. But do you guys have a preference on who you think you'd rather the Kings play over over anyone else? I do. Uh, I want them to play the Mavericks. I think they're the worst team. I think they're the least talented team. Okay. Now they've got a couple of special talents, but their overall talent base is not very good, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's who I'd like to see them play. Yeah, yeah I'll take them. I'll take the Timberwolves. I'll take the Thunder if they end up sneaking in. Those would be my three uh, favorite teams to play. And then, you know, anyone from Golden State to L.A. to uh, even the the Clippers, I would like to avoid if you can help it. But um, it's a it's a very close race down there at the bottom. Yeah, I know Los Angeles has been pretty good defensively when Anthony Edwards is playing, uh, especially since the All Star break. But it is one of those things that like. Honestly, like I can't see a more poetic thing than like breaking a playoff streak again uh, with playing the Lakers in the first round with the Kings being the second seed. Like if we're going to get rid of every jinx, let's just kill every single jinx with one atom bomb of a season and beat the Lakers in the first round, send LeBron into the offseason, not knowing what the heck his team's going to do. Uh, I, I, I ne- wouldn't necessarily be my favorite. I think I think Jerry and, and Tony, I think you guys are both right that I'd prefer the Mavericks just because if nothing else, Jason Kidd is the coach of a Maverick squad. And I don't trust Jason Kidd with, you know, with $5, much less with the, with the Mark Cuban's franchise. So I, I would be a little nervous about the wolves. Uh, I would be nervous about the thunder only because those are my two. That's, that's like watching my, my, my wife and mistress go seven games is, <laughs> is would be a terrifying thing. I, I couldn't, I would have to look away. That would be too many nerves. Uh, I would, if I hadn't already had to shave my head, I, I would go bald from stress. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, no, I think you guys are right that the the Mavs and Lakers are, or especially the Mavs, that's the that's the team I kind of want to see there. Is there any team that you are more most fearful of? Is there anyone? I mean, Tony, I know you mentioned the the Clippers and everyone above there, but of that seven to ten range, is there anyone you really don't want to see in that first round? I, I don't I don't know how it's all going to play out, you know, yeah. because there's so many teams. But yeah. I, I wouldn't want to play the Warriors in the first round. Yeah, sure. I mean, I just wouldn't. I, I you know, they've been terrible on the road, but really the, you know, golden one is not on the road for them. No. And uh, no, I, and they're defending champions. So no, and they got Steph Curry. And so no. And so <laughs> I, so, so no, that's who I don't want to play. Although, you know, I think, I think the Kings are the better team right now, but I would just soon not play it. Yeah. I think the, the difference is that there are teams that I, would prefer not to play, but I don't fear any of them. Even the Warriors, who the Warriors would be also be the team I want to play least just because the experience gap there could not be bigger between a Kings team that hasn't been in the playoffs in 16 years or a franchise that hasn't been and a Warriors team that has been, you know, the, the most successful team in the league for a while now. Um, but none of those teams are, I fear, which is a great spot to be in and a, and a unique one and a new one for a Kings fan for sure. 
Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about some rel- uh, relevant news right now. Um, after going down awkwardly in the first quarter of the Nets game on Thursday night, uh, there were some fears that Kevin Herter might be out for a length of time with a quad injury. Uh, the Kings like awkwardly good medical luck continues. Um, after undergoing an MRI today, it was revealed uh, that there was a mild strain of the popliteus uh, muscle. There's no hamstring injury. Herter is day to day. He's questionable for Saturday's game against the Wizards, but otherwise we consider him day to day. Talk to me a bit about what the Kings will have to do if Herter does have to miss a couple of games on the last uh, the last few games of this road trip. Do you guys uh, you guys foresee that 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 Washington game or that Jazz game being being an issue if uh, if Kevin Herter can't go? Well, I think it's a road game, so there are always issues. I mean, and I always say, you know, any road win's a great win. And I know sometimes for now without the team is good, everybody, you know, wants to say, well, that's not a good team. Well, they're on they're at home. So that that makes them tough. And uh, so I'd, I'm concerned to whoever they play. But uh, having said that, I, I think, you know, just Coach Brown in the past with some injuries, you know, he, he might decide to start Terrence Davis. And Davis has been, you know, in a couple of starting roles during the year has been terrific. You know, I think he'd probably like to keep Monk coming off the bench. I think I would too. Don't disrupt what you're doing really well. And whether it's, you know, so I, I could see Davis kind of, kind of being in there. Uh, so certainly you could start Davion and give him more minutes and maybe let him uh, uh, just bug the shit out of Bradley Beal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, so I, I mean, that's the nice thing is that coach Brown has options. You know, I mean, you can go different ways. Uh, you can go bigger. Uh, you know, you could start Trey Lyles, and do, you know, move you guys. You, so you go bigger. But I, I'd be surprised if he did just probably go with Terrence Davis. It's probably the easiest way to go and the easiest way to sub. The biggest bummer to me about the Herder injury, I mean, obviously it's great that he's okay, but he was playing really well and he had struggled a little bit like heading into the All-Star break. He wasn't shooting as well, but he was on fire out of the All-Star break. I looked at the numbers because I knew he had been shooting well, but 45% from three, 16 points um, since the All-Star break. That's about as good of a run as he's had all year uh, as a shooter for this team. So that's a, that's a bummer. Like if he has a setback here from this injury, I know he's questionable in day-to-day, but hopefully it's something he can recover from and doesn't linger because he was playing uh, really good basketball. What was the name of that uh, muscle injury? What was that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Will, it's, the pop, it. it's the popliteal muscle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had that the other day, my popliteal <laughs> muscle. Yeah. Uh, but the Kings, I mean, they had they uh, won two games without Fox since the All-Star break, so they can win a couple games without Herter if they have to. Jerry, I'm curious, only because you mentioned this. This has nothing to do with Kevin Herter, but the Kings have a better record uh, away from home than, like, uh, like on the road than at home. It's by a single. They're 21 and 13 away and 21 and 14 at home. What do you attribute that to? What is it that, that the Kings do so much better, not so much better, but better on the road than they do at home? That's a great question. I, I really don't have the answer. I, I think they've lost. They lost a few home games early, where they just weren't really the team that they are now. And and I do think that you know, it's like a lot of teams will uh, play down to the opposition a little bit. And it does seem to me like that they're just more ready to play when they're on the road. And and some you know, all in all, though, the only thing I'd say is that the fact they're so good on the road. That's a sign of a real strong team. And, uh, you know, you're a little bit disappointed in some of the losses they had, especially early, like to Charlotte and Washington and some of those kind of games, Portland, that they, those kind of losses that 
that maybe they should have won at least a couple of them. But then again, look at all the great road wins. So I, I don't make much of it. All, I'd say, you know, look at the record. It's really good. And they won on the road and they won at home. And that's that's plenty for me. Simple man. I'm curious. Uh, do you think that sometimes playing at a, at a structure like uh, the Golden One Center or like Arc Arena before it, having a fan base as kind of rabid, as, as kind of famous as they are for being loud and whatnot, can that be kind of a detriment to the home team as well as as well as a boost for them? Is there is there is there any negative side to having fans as loud as that for the home team as well? I don't think so. I think it's all positive. I mean, certainly, you know, teams. The one thing I think it does do when the team comes out flat, which a team will occasionally, uh, you know, with the home crowd can get behind you and bring you back, help you get back in the game. And I think we've seen that a couple of wins that way. So, no, I, I think the fans are they're always a positive in my mind. And, you know, the team's playing poorly. That's on them. That ain't on the fans. Sure. Okay. So I want to get to, uh, to talking about De'Aaron Fox a little bit here. Uh, since the All-Star break, a majority of these Kings games we've seen have, have seen the Kings kind of head into the fourth quarter with like a five to seven point lead or less. Like they've all been close going into the fourth pretty much. Uh, the other night we saw uh, um, kind of the the uh, the the uh, sorry I, I lost my train of thought there. The, the the Kings have basically like Darren Fox has become this fourth quarter guy for the Kings, and and never has it been more apparent than in a game like Chicago where he hits a game winning three just by casually strolling up the court with twelve seconds left and then draining it over the top of somebody. I, I'm curious what you guys are making out of um, this guy who who's suddenly this year has come into crunch time and decided to make every single shot that he takes his way uh, with a few minutes to remain in, in, in these close games. Uh, Jerry, Tony, talk to me a little bit about uh, the Kings clutch player of the year candidate. Well, for me, I mean, I, I've said, you know, several times in different formats, but uh, one of the real advantages, and there's not very many, of being old is that I, I remember seeing Tiny Archibald in his MVP year with the Kansas City Kings. And I saw him practice every day because he practiced at the college where I was a coach. And uh, the thing about Tiny was that he was so quick and clever that he could get to his spots on the floor. And then teams would give him 15-foot shots because they were scared of him getting to the basket. And that's exactly what Fox could do. I mean, he is exactly the same thing. He is so quick and fast. He They're giving him five and seven foot space when he gets around the free throw line. And <laughs> yeah. and and I, I understand why they are. They have to, because if they get up and challenge him, he'll get to the basket and draw fouls. And uh, yeah, just uh, playing with so much confidence. And people say, well, why is he so? I said, well, the reason he's confident because he's really good and he's had a lot of success that's how it works. Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of why, you know, I wouldn't, have, I didn't like the fact quite honestly that he used up most of the clock to take a three point shot. <laughs> <laughs> it went in, but I was hoping he would really go to the basket and create something, you know, but then sure. by the time the but, but that's kind of who he is now. He just, I mean, I think he thought, well, okay, I'll just win it here with the, or tie. and he said after the game, I thought it was interesting. He, he said, you know, we were tied. So we would, if I missed it, I knew we'd go into overtime and win. But there again, the confidence factor is uh, yeah. 
so much different. So I, he's a marvelous talent. I, I tell you, I, as you know, I wasn't always high on him on a lot of ways, sure. but uh, but he's it's clicked in. You know, it's like a lot of really great players in the past it took two or three years. It taken him maybe a little longer. Not all his fault, by the way. But uh, you know, he's he's playing at a level very few are, and and may even get better. I mean, there's not much more you can say than that as far as his clutch scoring goes. It's uh, It's been remarkable. And also, he has been a, a second-half player for his entire career for the most part, and his scoring is up since the All-Star break. So he, he had a strong start, and he's getting even better. He's just a little bit under 30 points per game, I think, when I when I last checked his post-All-Star break numbers. Um, and the, the uh, other thing with Fox, and I know he's not a perfect defensive player yet, and it's not like the attention to detail isn't there all the time, but he has, he does lock in a little bit better in crunch time on defense too, and I've seen him make some pretty important plays, and those are, I guess, the next step developments. If he can do that more frequently, if he can come up with more uh, clutch stops defensively, I think his confidence on defense is, is getting a little bit better too, which is, again, kind of highlights the frustrating moments when he's not all the way there on defense, but... Um, yeah, you, you add defense like consistent defense to what he's doing right now, and now you're really talking about an All NBA player. And you know he might make the All NBA team, one of those teams this year, anyways. Um, but yeah, that that defense is the final step, and I think he's even starting to turn the corner a little bit there too. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a better defender, and and crunch time he's a pretty good defender. Yeah, you know, and I know he he's gotten some criticism. Well, he seems to like play his way into the game, and I say yeah. He does to a degree, and, and the two greatest guards I'd seen in, in King's franchise history, a guy named Oscar Robertson and Nate Archibald, did exactly the same thing. They saved their energy uh, for, for crunch time winning time and, yeah. and really got their teammates and stuff involved. And I'm not – I'll never say that he's as good as those two guys right now. A couple more years like he's had, then we can have that discussion. But, uh, but he's uh, – yeah, he's had a marvelous year, and he deserves all NBA. I mean, as much as anybody else. Yeah, that was one of those things I think we talked about last time that I asked, like, hey, what are the chances of either Sabonis or Fox getting all NBA? And right after the All-Star break, three games after the All-Star break, it was kind of like, oh, they might get in. And now with uh, John Morant's issues where he's had to sit out a few games, the way Sabonis has been playing of late, which we'll get to, one or both of those guys, I feel like, has to be a lock to be an all NBA player. It would be, it would be egregious in my mind to have a number two, number three in the West, not have an all NBA player on their team. Yeah, I think they have to. And I mean, you could make a case for both. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time two guys uh, on, on the second team or maybe even first team in the West had two guys. They could do that and deservedly. So and both have merited it. I mean, what what big player has done more for his team than than Sabonis? I mean, even Jokic. And I, I'm not saying he's uh, proven to be equal to Jokic. I don't mean that, but but I mean really, Sabonis has as as much as anybody other than Mike Brown has helped change the culture of this team. You know, just his total unselfish spirit and and hard work. And I still got some other day, and I know I'm rambling here, Never. but the damn guy just I I love watching. He, yeah. he tries so hard. Mm -hmm. He plays so hard every play. I, I, the Kings have never in the history that I've watched had a big player play so hard so consistently. And here's another marvelous fact. He actually plays hurt. Now, don't tell anybody. I know that's that don't, uh, you know, 
the old saying uh, back years ago was, uh, you shouldn't play injured, but you can play hurt. And, and boy, there's damn few guys that do that anymore. And this guy's been doing it all year. Jerry, I'm thinking of specifically about the game in uh, uh, against Milwaukee the other night where he's going up against – there's three guys on that Milwaukee team that could win Defensive Player of the Year in my mind. You, you've got a guy like Giannis. You've got a guy like Lopez. You've got a guy like Drew Holiday. Um, he went up against Brooke Lopez and only happened to score 23 points, only happened to have 17 rebounds, and only happened to dish out 15 assists. That's one of those things that he had a triple-double against the guy who's going to win the Defensive Player of the Year – and it wasn't close most of the game. He was absolutely destroying that man. You know, he's, he's so much more skilled, I think, than a lot of people realize. Great footwork, obviously just fearless. You know, and I mean, he's strong among strong guys. You know, I mean, he, you know, he'll, he'll bounce somebody. And, you know, he's one of those guys I always used to say about Mitch Richmond. You notice nobody pisses him off. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, there's a, you know, it's no different schoolyard the guy. The other team knows who you don't mess with. Yeah. You know, I mean it. So, uh, but yeah, he's uh, it was a marvelous game and, and, you know, the triple doubles, we've become used to them and yeah. uh, started to expect it maybe too much, but, uh, but, you know, and then of course the last thing, and we talked about this before he sets more, screens and better screens than any player in the league and anybody wants to argue about that they can with me but that they would be foolish because he does and so anyway kings are boy they're lucky to have the guy yeah tony uh sabonis since the all-star breaks averaging uh 20.2 points 13.8 rebounds 8.2 assists and again he's doing this with a fractured thumb uh talk to me a little bit about how sabonis has been playing of late in your eyes He's been incredible. And I think like in addition to all the skills that he has and, you know, Jerry talked about his toughness, but man, the durability, like he's getting in, he dishes out punishment too, but he's, he just keeps moving. Like he's going through guys. He gets right up, right up when he hits the floor, which is often and runs back on defense. He's leading the break half the time. Um, he makes at least one pass a game that you are just like, man, I got to replay that and see what, how he, how he found the lane or what he did there. And he's starting to get a lot uh, more respect. I think not that this matters, but just um, when you're talking about NBA awards, I was looking at the NBA uh, MVP ladder, the NBA, NBA.com updates every few weeks or whatever. And uh, Sabonis, they have him sixth in the MVP ranking. I mean, that is a, a meaningless thing from NBA.com, but it is still just uh, he's creeping into that discussion of being one of the most valuable players in the NBA, not just an all-star, not just uh, an all-NBA guy, but, um, you know, the the value that, that we've seen from him all year, he's starting to get some respect for that, which is uh, nice to see, I guess, from a, when you're talking about Sacramento, we don't get the, the light shined on us that often, but Sabonis deserves to be in that conversation. The Kings are the second best team in the West, and uh, we've seen them try and do it with only Fox, and Fox has gotten better, but really it has been Sabonis to me, that is the engine that propelled this team from a fringe playoff contender to a second seed in the West. Cause he's such a unique center that uh, every team does not have that guy. The, the Kings do. And it's been a, a huge asset. You know, the one, a couple other little minor things that I've said, uh, my only criticism of him, and I do have one, I think he's too unselfish at times. You know, he'll be in position to score, I think, rather easily, and he'll be looking for a teammate. Uh, you know, and, and if you're going to have a criticism of a guy, that's that's a pretty good one. And, and I think his unselfishness has really carried over. And then again, I think he – he is one of those guys who gets it. He understands how good Fox is. 
and when you need to stay out of his way. You know, yeah. if 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 you need me to help you, I'll be there to help you. If you need me to get out of your damn way, I'll get out of your way. And and there again, that's a that's a talent not every player has either. Uh, Jerry, I think you're right on that one. Uh, I always go back to that quote in my mind of uh, in the fourth quarter, he fouls out of a game and he goes, oh, I was fine with it because I knew Fox was going to win it for us. And I can't I can't think of another superstar in the NBA that doesn't think, give me the ball. It's my time. Like, this is my time to yeah. shine where he instead is like, no, 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 this is this is Fox's time. Like, let me get the hell out of the way. Let me go set a good screen. Let me let me let Fox do his thing. Uh, it's that's a completely unique thing in my mind that I go back to every fourth quarter when Fox starts going off. I don't think I've ever seen Sabonis like slap and call for the ball. You know, Thomas Bryant can call for the ball on LeBron James's record-breaking yeah. jump shot, but <laughs> Thomas Sabonis yeah. is not calling for it one time no. in the fourth quarter when mm. Fox is going off, and that's so unique to me. Well, he's unique, and I'm really, I think it's one of those things where he's, he is so unselfish getting guys, his teammates' baskets. We're seeing more and more of them trying to get him baskets. And that's, a, you know, we've seen that progression as the years went on. You know, he's always had that great kind of tie-in with Malik Monk, but I think Herder's finding more. Of course, he inherited. I mean, he's he seems to have that that unique camaraderie with everybody on the floor. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he's – I mean, I always say that I, I don't think he's a great scorer. I think he's a near great player. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, Fox is a great scorer uh, who is working toward being a great player too. I'm curious only because I, I work in the public and so I hear this discussion a lot. And I'll, I'll ask this question just to like throw a match on the, on the tinderbox and just run away. But do you guys, uh, Tony, you mentioned that Sabonis is sixth in MVP uh, on the MVP ladder right now. Is Sabonis the MVP of this team? Or do you consider this a situation where Fox maybe needs to get a little bit more credit there? Or is this truly a binary star situation where each one kind of circles each other and neither one really works without the other one going? That's tough. <laughs> They're so close <laughs> and so valuable. Yeah. Um, I, I want to, it's hard. We haven't seen this version of Fox on his own team. And at the same time, I don't know if you get this version of Fox without Sabonis. So it's, it's a really hard, uh, I, I don't know if we'll know that answer until one of them is playing somewhere else. And I hope we don't find out if that has to be the case. That's my way to uh, a cop out answer. Sure. Yeah. I'd straddle the fence big time on yeah. that. I mean, uh, you know, this team wouldn't be anywhere near where they are without Fox yeah. and they'd be nowhere near where they are without Sabonis. And I think as it truly as much as two stars on one team can complement one another, that's what they do and so they sure. and they're not and they're not in each other's way and i've always said that was just kind of the sad thing with halliburton and fox mm-hmm. is that they, you know tyrese is a terrific player but they were probably neither one going to be as good as they could be sure. for whatever reason i don't know but uh, sometimes it just doesn't work as well as it should have you know and and uh but now but certainly with with fox and, and sabonis that fit uh, seems about as good as it could possibly be. Okay. Now to get to a guy that I hadn't expected to talk about at any point this season, um, Kessler Edwards or Jerry, as you called him, Walker Kessler Edwards. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> the greatest Kessler player for... to ever exist. <laughs> hey, Walker Kessler is awful good too. But yes. anyway. <laughs> Walker Kessler Edwards would be a, an incredibly good player. Yes, a great would. defensive presence. Um, 
So the one move Monty uh, McNair made at the deadline was to take on $2 million to grab a young wing in Edwards. And uh, boy, has it paid off for the Kings. Oh, we saw in that Phoenix game how much he bothered Devin Booker down the stretch. He uh, he followed up a disastrous turnover there at the end with what was the clinching three. Uh, how much has Kessler mm-hmm. Edwards surprised you guys with this play of light? Uh, how impressed are you guys with, with the way he's been playing? Well, I've been impressed. You know, I, I said when they made the deal, I, I called Doug Christie because I, I just said, you know, are the Kings finally going to get a good player from Pepperdine? <laughs> I said, uh, we've, we've waited a long time. And, and he told me, he said, this guy can play. Yeah. This guy can play. And, uh, you know, and, and he can. Sure. And he and he's made a difference. Uh, uh, you know, he's what they didn't have. And, again, credit to Monty McNair and his staff. You know, I mean, this team needed a, a big wing defender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's that that's, and then of course he can get some offense too, but I mean, he's exactly what they didn't have and they got it. I, I'm just so impressed. I'm super impressed with Kessler Edwards, but it, uh, a much better endorsement than mine is I think the endorsement that Mike Brown is giving him with like the opportunities and playing time as a young player, right off of a trade, didn't play much in Brooklyn. And over the last four games, he's playing 21 minutes a game. Um, he's scoring six and a half points for game off the bench, which is great. He's shooting respectable from the from three. He's re- I love his rebounding. His aggressiveness rebounding is something the Kings really needed to. And uh, last no, last night in Brooklyn, uh, he goes in and plays crunch time over Keegan Murray. So for Mike Brown and all the respect that he's earned this season, I mean, Mike Brown is a, a savior for for what the Kings are doing this year. For him to have this much belief in Kessler Edwards so early tells me everything I need to know. I mean, I'm never going to be able to assess him as good as Mike Brown is doing, you know, watching him in practice and in games every day. And Mike Brown is giving him huge opportunities and he's coming through. So yeah, I mean, that's, it's been a great pickup for such a low cost and we'll see if this uh, run of playing time continues for him. Um, but Mike Brown is, is trusting him. So that's enough for me. Yeah. I like the fact too, that, you know, I mean, I, I still love Keegan Murray. I think he's just going to be mm-hmm. terrific. And, Two or three years of the pro, you know, he's make. But it's also true he has what I call the Keegan Murray walkabouts. There's games when you say, "Where is he? He's out there, but you know, where is he?" And I think, uh, you know, uh, I think the addition, this addition, has helped that. I mean, Keegan knows that uh, I better kind of get a little more active if I want to play a few more minutes, and he's doing that. Yeah. You know, I, I think. Uh, I, I think King has made tremendous strides, but there's, you know, you, well, you can never have too many active athletic guys. There was this moment yesterday I was on Twitter and a friend of the podcast, Jill Adge had shared what I thought was a brand new article from the athletic on uh, Kessler Edwards. And I'm reading this from like the Nets perspective and I'm wow, geez, he's, he really seemed to impress Steve Nash. And he really tried to, he really seemed to impress Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I got to the end of the article and there was nothing about the Kings and it was written by Sam Amick. So I saw the byline in Sacramento, California. And I thought, Oh, this is a brand new. And I was reading it from a previous year. And I thought, uh, and I had to go back and check and see the date on it. I went, they paid us $2 million for a kid that very obviously last year was impressive to everybody on that Brooklyn Nets roster who was starting with Kyrie at certain points of the year. And Kevin Durant, it was one of those things I kind of went, you know, I hadn't considered it, but I went, I think Monty McNair did it again. I think this is one of those in a line of like Trey Lyles, who was 
kind of a toss in in that in that trade. Uh, Trey Lyles has been fantastic. He's wound up fantastic. Uh, yeah. We got another thing here with a second round trade that uh, that Monty McNair made uh, uh, last year that that we're going to talk about here in a second. But like Monty McNair has found all these little tiny pieces, even Chemezi Metu, that have all paid off. It took a year or so. They have all paid off for the Kings. I think he's done a fantastic job at finding these guys. Yeah, I mean, he and his staff really know players. That's what you. That's what you can say for sure, because you know they scouted Kessler Edwards, and I mean, and they and they caught caught it right. I I don't think the. Uh, I understand why the Nets did it. It was a huge money deal for them, to because yeah. of salary cap considerations and the fact that with all those guys leaving, they probably felt like, well, we're going to have to redo some things, and I get that, but. Uh, it worked for the Kings, but then it wouldn't have worked for the Kings if they didn't know who he was mm-hmm, and didn't have a good idea how good he was uh, when he did become available because he was available and, yeah. and no, and he, and the King got him. So that, you know, those, those are the kind of things, uh, you know, you know, you just have to know, you know, know what talent is and who can help you and things like that. I, you know, it goes back to the Jeff Petrie when, when everything was going good, the Kings, the Scott Pollard's and the Darius Sungailas, no one, you know, guys that can play that are out there that you can get for very little. Yeah. yeah Tony, um, I'm curious. Uh, I was thinking about Terrence Davis too, as one of those guys uh, uh, who they just traded for when the, the Raptors want to get rid of them. How do you feel like Monty McNair has done with these little tiny peripheral moves uh, in the last couple of seasons? The Kings have, I mean, the Trey Lyles move to me is the, if you were to power rank them is, is number one. I think Lyles has been incredible, but yeah, this is how you build a winning team. It doesn't, you don't, you can't just win one trade. You can't just win on one draft pick. You've got to really to, to quote, uh, who's our guy, our, our previous assistant coach stack days. You got to stack wins when you're, when you're trading, <laughs> uh, and building a roster and Monty McNair, it, it was not a clean start for Monty. I thought his first two seasons were were kind of underwhelming but since um really since mike brown and, and even dating back to like the trade deadline last year with uh trading for sabonis he's just been stacking wins of trades and this is the result a two seed in the west they really haven't made i mean it's off the top of your head if you can think of something like what move hasn't worked since the sabonis trade i feel like it's been a series of wins whether it's a big trade or a small trade it's all been uh, enough of a contribution to call it a win to me yeah, I was going to make a joke that um, that uh, there's somebody listening to the podcast right now who's screaming about Tristan Thompson and and, and Delon Wright, but um, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give Monty McNair a pass on that one and say that outside of those, and Tony, you you said you qualified specifically with since the Sabonis since trade, Sabonis, yes. so I'll say since the Sabonis trade, I don't remember anything before that. There we go. It's it's all in the wind now. Who's Daquan Jeffries? Who are all these other guys? No, it doesn't matter. We're we're, we're talking now, and Monty McNair is 100 as of now. You know, he's a uh... <laughs> He's a basketball genius. God, there we go. Yeah, we're not calling him Monty McGenius here, Jerry. I'm sorry. Not yet. Yeah, we'll hold off on that a little wait, bit. Which wins executive of the year in a, in a few months, and then well, yes. he he should. There's no doubt about that. That's absolutely absolutely. Right. And coach of the year Brown and executive of the year Monty McNair. Absolutely, I'll take it. All right, so this is our uh, TMZ moment of the show here, uh, Jerry. I'm curious. This is this is kind of a uh, a less serious, more uh, more drama filled thing uh, that I wanted to get your opinion on. Uh, at the end of the Bucks game, with a win out of reach, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo kind of dribbles by Trey Lyles in what Trey Lyles thinks is a cocky fashion of some sort. Trey kind of goes for a steal. There's a little bit of uh, roughhousing. 
Uh, Trey shoves Giannis away, uh, much to the distaste of Brooke Lopez, who decides to offer up a round of fisticuffs for Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles responds by going for the old throat rip maneuver, and all of a sudden there's a team-wide wrestling match. Uh, Jerry, Mike Brown after the game said, and I'm quoting here, uh, I don't know what happened, but we ain't taking no shit from nobody. Uh, double negative aside there. What did you think of the drama at the end of that Bucks game? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, you know, I thought, and Giannis, I, I mean, to me, he's the MVP of the league, by the way. I don't care what they're saying about anybody else. That guy is is a, a two-way player and a big-time one. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was being a little bit Bush League. Uh, you know, Trey might have not had to do what he did, but I'm glad he did. And, you know, and, and Brooke Lopez didn't do what he did, but that's what he should do. You know, I mean, really, that's that's the reality of it. And then they, uh, you know, calmer heads tried to break it up, and you know, and fines and suspensions were the result, as it should be. And and around the league, uh, everybody saw it, so that's a good thing. And I mean, used to be guys punched guys, <laughs> and then and that was kind of I've always said that was, uh, you know, when Larry Kristoviak uh, knocked out Jim Peterson. For us, uh, you know, on the floor, Jim was knocked out standing up. But, uh, you know, Larry Kristovac never had anybody give him any trouble the rest of his career. <laughs> uh, Tony, I'm, I'm curious. Were you surprised that it was Trey Lyles, of all people, to stand up and uh, and, and take the fight to the Bucks there? A little bit, a little bit surprised that it was Trey Lyles, but hey, we've been talking for 16 years for this team to get some toughness. I'm not going to cry about it when they finally uh, maybe go over the line a tiny bit, which even that I don't even, I mean, it wasn't over the line to me, but some people might say it was. So surprised it was Trey Lyles, sure, but do I have any issues with it whatsoever? No, let's uh, let's get tough. They're playing good basketball. I'm not complaining. You know, and and as one of the, the raps on Lyles, early in his career, you know, that's kind of why he bounced around that he's a soft guy, but he hadn't been a soft guy here. No. Again, I'd give uh, coach Brown and Sabonis a lot of credit there. Yeah. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, you're, as it goes back to, I always remember the team with uh, Brian Grant and the animal, Mike Smith and Paul Nice and Mitch Richmond, that, you know, that was the most physical team, but it, you know, there's a couple of guys that weren't physical guys like Olden Paul Nice but with a bunch of tough buckaroos around him, he, you know, he puffed up like he was tough. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that's, uh, you know, he knew he was safe. So, uh, you know, so I, I do think that's, you know, this team has taken on a, you know, as it should, I think it is a, it's not a soft team. It's not one of the most aggressive, but you can't play that aggressive anyway in the league. You just got to let people know you, we're not going to, as Coach Brown said, you're just not going to get punked out there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So last thing before we uh, before we head over to the Patreon question, um, according to Eurohoops.net, uh, Kings General Manager Monty McNair and Vice President Phil Jabour um, are traveling to Greece to uh, watch Sasha Vesenkov play uh, in February. Is Jay Triano who went and watched a 27 year old uh, forward? Uh, the guy's the favorite to win MVP in the league that he's playing in. Uh, both of you guys look down the road and tell me maybe not this season, but you know, obviously in the seasons to come, um, what adding another hot shooting lefty forward uh, could do for a team like the Kings right now. Of course, I don't know much about him. I know he's got a good resume, you know, and, and a big guy that can shoot, 
you can never have too many guys that can shoot in the league in the really in the league now you wouldn't have said that at some point but with the three-point shot like it is and the transition game being such a big part of it uh yeah i don't see any downside uh you know it, it, will he make a huge difference uh i don't know i'd you know, I'd probably rather have Kawhi Leonard, but that, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, that's just what I know. But so, uh, yeah, I'll say this, if if they, they decide, you know, this is a guy who can really help us, I'll uh, trust their opinion. I'll tell you that. Sure. Tony, what about you? Yeah, Sasha is one of those guys where it seems like every two or three weeks, there's some like highlight coming across my feed. There's some news. He's winning another award or he's hit some another game winner. So I've been following the the Sasha hype train a little bit for the last year. The one thing I'll say about, well, first off, I'm very happy that McNair and the Kings are going out there to try and make this work. Cause what we have not heard yet, and this is kind of a bummer, I guess to me is we haven't heard that one report that, Oh, this guy's definitely coming over. He definitely wants to play in the NBA. He's definitely going to be on the Kings. We have not gotten that yet. It's kind of been this maybe, maybe not maybe because they were talking about bringing him over before this season started and it just didn't work out. So that's, I guess, my my fear. I don't want to buy in too much and then have him kind of decide to never come over. The Kings going, especially at this time of year, over there to watch him and hopefully meet with him tells me a lot that that they are that high and they're really going to try and get him over here, which would be great. He's good uh, insurance if they lose Trey Lyles or Harrison Barnes. Both are free agents at the end of the year. I hope they retain both guys, but you know who knows how that goes. Um, he can fill in in either of those spots. So I think Sasha has a, a a good shot to be a good player, and I'm happy the Kings are going to try and sell him on on making the trip over because I don't think it's a it's a lock yet that he's going to be making it to the NBA. Yeah, that's one of those things where with March Madness going on, it's the NCAA tournament. The fact that Monty McNair still went out of his way to fly all the way out there to Greece, I kind of went well. If he's doing it during the NCAA tournament, I'm, I know he can watch it on the plane or whatever else like that. It still tells me that he he wants a really really good look at this guy to bring him over. You're right. Uh, it, he sounds like one of those guys that if you bring him over just because he got a multi-year contract extension with Olympiacos in January, uh, I'm sure his salary would be such that you might have to lose Trey Lyles or you might have to uh, say goodbye to a Harrison Barnes and you're starting this guy instead. Would you guys be willing to uh, if 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 he's a if he's worth the hype? Is he somebody that you'd you'd be willing to lose a Trey Lyles for in order to bring him over? Well, I, I don't know enough about it. I mean, sure. I do think that's where Monty McNair would that be the decision they'd have to make. I sure would hate to see Trey Lyles go. I think sure. I think his best years are ahead of him, and yeah. he's certainly a good fit on this team. So, uh, you know, I'd I like I'd like to keep the guys they got, and and if you could add him, sure. <laughs> add him in, in, as well. So, uh, but you know, I, that's and I'm sure that's probably the thinking. It's like. We got to be sure on this guy if yeah. if we can't yeah. keep for guys. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's hard to predict what he's going to do in the NBA. I think he can be a, a Trey Lyles level player, and then maybe Harrison Barnes would be a, a ceiling. Like then that's and Barnes would be really hard to replace. So yeah. that's not a fair swap to me, especially with you just don't know with Sasha. The uh, the ideal for me is to add him, and then you can play Lyles at center. Maybe Chemezi Metu is the guy that leaves the rotation, which I would be okay with for Sasha. And then you've got, I mean, that's that's building on a really good team already instead of replacing, which is obviously my preference as a fan of the team. I want them to build. And I think you can build with Sasha on top of what you already have here. And hopefully you don't have to lose anyone to do it. Okay, well, we're going to cut to a commercial break and we'll be right back. 
Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on new and exciting Klein Tools products from the Power Hub 1 to the KTB-500 portable power station. Sacramento Electronics has all your job site power needs. Stop by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelect.com. Okay. Well, Tony, let's uh, let's roll over to you for the uh, Patreon question of the day. Thanks, Will. Uh, on every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash King's Herald. Uh, you can submit questions there on the website, on Twitter, um, wherever. Usually we're pretty good about collecting those and asking them. And any question that doesn't get asked on the main show here, we do a Patreon-exclusive episode once a month where all the leftover questions do get answered. So keep submitting, and they'll get answered eventually. Uh, today's question comes from Tom L., and Tom is thinking ahead, but I thought it would be a fun exercise to, to talk about uh, on the podcast today. Tom asks, <clears throat> should the Kings trade multiple firsts to try and get a third star this summer or keep them to continue filling out their rotation with young guys on rookie contracts? By my estimation, only a quarter of all players picked 15 or later are rotation players or better in recent drafts. Well, I mean, that's if you knew, uh, I'm not sure you can get a real star with multiple picks you can you know it's like the minnesota did you can trade multiple picks and and with the hopes of this you know like a rudy gobert is a a, a real star for you Mm -hmm. and is he uh that you know i mean i think he's a very good player so and it'd have to be a specific need too so i'd be more inclined to you know keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're going to need to to make trades at some point, I think to maybe to build a roster or, but, but the, you got a young, young group basically who should get better. And maybe in addition to, you know, you may lose somebody, but you, you know, get an addition of, you know, Monty has proven to be an excellent drafter. So, uh, uh, and yeah, I'm just not, I guess my thinking is, uh, if they're a real star, they they're not available. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause I, I mean, even me just reading this question, I was like, Oh, I'm so used to the Kings having top five picks, top 10 picks, which are pretty valuable. But now when your team is good, those picks just don't really return you the star that, that you want. If you have a, a really top pick. So I guess we'll I'll ask you the same question, but maybe add the wrinkle. Um, Cause Keegan Murray might be more valuable than any picks the Kings will have in the near future. Is that something that you maybe explore? Like you got multiple firsts and Keegan Murray for that third star, or do you think Keegan Murray can be the third star? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I I certainly think that Keegan Murray tops out at being the third star for this team. You know, he might not be all-star level, but he might be like Chris Middleton star level where it's like, he's, he's just right there. He's that, he's that extra piece that makes the Kings go. Um, I, I honestly, my, my, and this, again, I'm still adjusting to like the pressure of not being a tank guy. I, we don't need mm-hmm. that right now. We're done with it. So like those picks, you're right. Those picks aren't as valuable, but I feel like they're, this might be the year if you're going to do it, Tom L. This is the last year where, where, where like if the Kings are actually good and this isn't just a flash in the pan, some GM, some dumb GM somewhere might be like, Kings are actually terrible. I don't really trust that they're good for more than one year. We could nab those 
And if the Kings fall out, Sabonis is a free agent after next season. If he leaves, then we've got a bunch of top five picks or top seven picks. I don't think that's the case. I think the Kings are probably for real. Maybe they're not number two in the NBA good for the next four or five years, but they might be top six in the NBA good for the next four or five years. And in that case, I, I think you just got to keep building. I don't think it's I don't think it's worth it until I mean you're gonna end up paying Sabonis, especially if he makes an all NBA team. He might be making forty million dollars a year plus. Fox might want that at the end of his his deal too. And then what makes the Kings good is their bench, is is the these these kind of other moons around the two stars. And if you have three stars and just a, a, a shit bench, I mean that, that's one people championships. I don't know if that wins the Sacramento Kings championships. Uh, the other part of this is Fox Fox being a clutch, uh, you know, being a, a, an athlete who uses clutch to represent him. I think there's a chance that like clutch kind of throws some guys our ways as they do to kind of the upper <laughs> echelon players. Yeah. Like we might be now that Fox is with clutch. He might be one of those teams that they go like, you know what? You can have this, this really good bench player that we wanted over here in Atlanta or whatever else like that. You can take them for less because we like De'Aaron Fox to be happy, but I think they just keep building. I mean, the only thing, the, the tough part of the question, it's a fair question. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I mean, it, I'd have to know who, what star are we talking about? Yeah. You know, in other words, uh, you know, just the, the nebulous star, uh, how often are they available and how, and then again, like you say with the picks, but even if you're the Kings, you don't give up those picks without some protections. Uh, yeah. You just don't. I mean, if you're smart, you don't. So, yeah, I, I, I like where they're heading. I like what they got. I generally speaking, if you could uh, add a couple of guys or a little different, you know, uh, and get better that way. And, and, you know, you may, you may feel like you have to make some trades uh, at some point, but, you know, gee whiz, this, this thing is a, this is a pretty good thing going here, guys. You know, you know, they so-called star you think you get, maybe he doesn't fit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like the great Al Adels told me once, you know, team chemistry, you don't know how you get, get it and you don't know how you lose. <laughs> Can I throw in one more wrinkle to this question? Cause I know, um, Bryant, Bryant will hear this and this was a, uh, a good conversation around the Kevin Durant trade. So Jerry, I'll ask you this way. I know like Mikhail Bridges is maybe not a star yet, but if, and this ship has probably sailed, but it's a question more for Bryant and kind of a thought experiment. Would you have done something like Keegan and Picks if Mikhail Bridges was the guy coming back? Well, Mikhail Bridges is awfully good, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I do think he's a star. Mm-hmm. Now, he's he's further along in his career, and I, I don't know that uh, Keegan can get to that level, yeah. but he might, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I mean, I'll say this. I'll go on to the Durant thing. And I understand why Phoenix did it, but I think uh, actually Brooklyn came out not too bad. They looked good with the yeah. Yeah. with the with the duress they were under to do that mm-hmm. and f- financially set up. And you know I love Kevin Durant. I think he's one of the great players. But I also know he's played less games than Anthony Davis the last four years. <laughs> yeah. For God's sakes, <laughs> you know I mean really at some point it's like hey we watched him get hurt shooting around by himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, they, to me, yeah, this was a move that I understand why Phoenix did it because he's a major star. And if he stays healthy, they've got a, maybe a this year and next year window 
to maybe have a championship run, but right now due to injuries, they may not. So I don't know. I, uh, I, I, I kind of considered all the crap that uh, was involved. I think uh, the nets came out pretty darn well. Yeah. Can I put it this way, Tony, uh, yep. prior to, prior to him being on the nets, I probably wouldn't have traded Keegan Murray and two or three first rounders for, for Michael Bridges or Michael Bridges. But now that he's on the nets and having watched him play, <laughs> I don't think the nets would take Keegan Murray and two or three right. first rounders from for, for Bridges. Those are those things that like beforehand, I would have been like, nah, I mean, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. He kind of fits perfect, but like Keegan Murray could, could get there. You know, Keegan Murray doesn't have that much further to go in terms of the scoring part of it, the defensive part of it. He's, he, he, I don't know if he'll ever make up that, but, but now that he's averaging 26 a game and seven of his nine 30 point games in his career have come just since the all-star break with the Nets. Like he's one of those guys that I think he'll be an all-star next year. I don't think the Nets, I don't think the Nets do it. And so that, that window's passed. And so, well, they, and they would have to have lottery picks and, and you know, yeah. to even consider it, yeah. uh, you know, now, you know, I always said, yeah, if, if Boston trade you, trade you Jason Tatum, for Keegan and and four first round picks, uh, it, you know you couldn't do them in a row, but I'd say sure because you know Tatum gives you a chance to be a champion for a number a number of years, not you know like the Durant thing, but you you, you know the the doors open for seven or eight years, and and I know Tony would probably die if that happened, but it's also true. There's no, but you don't trade those guys. No. You know? no. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Like before what like Phoenix, Mikhail Bridges, maybe that package gets it done. Nets, Mikhail Bridges, there's no shot. So I think to answer Tom's question, it's it's if Monty McNair is going to do this kind of trade, it's probably going to have to be for a player that's not quite a star yet, but he's betting on the right guy to be a star, kind of like how the, the Nets did with, with Mikhail Bridges. So you're not looking at a guy who's like an established star. You're kind of taking a little, a, a little bit of a gamble there with finding a guy who might be the next man up on that next, the next uh, round of stars that that are you know developing in the NBA right now. Well, one last question on that. I'd always say uh, the question you always need to ask when you find your star that you're going to trade for. Why are they trading you? Right. You know, and yeah. and it's the you know you need to know that. Doesn't mean you yeah. won't do it. But it's uh, just because he's a star, and if they're willing to move him, uh, you you kind of want to do some homework. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that'd be a tough one. It would, yeah. It would. All right, Jerry. Well, we're rolling over to you then. Let's let's wrap it up with the uh, the Reynolds roundup for the day. Well, I've got a little bone to pick with the <laughs> NBA review process. <laughs> I am so pissed about it, and and. Uh, you know, I don't care if the commissioner or, or who, whatever they're doing and the referees association, it isn't working. When you can do it, not just the Harrison Barnes things, which was a joke. Mm. Uh, if that's a foul, then then there then there's eighty thousand fouls per game. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean he was not bothered. He really wasn't touched in in the act of shooting. He his elbow might have been brushed. I don't know before he got into shooting, but it's ridiculous. And they had a chance, you know, basically, uh, you know, shouldn't have been called number one. And then when it's reviewed, how in the world could they uh, stay with it? And that's just the minor one. How about the one with Joel Embiid 
just plowing into Evan Mobley. I mean, yeah. if there's a, a definition of a charge, I mean, put his shoulder into him, nine foot of a basket, knocked him goofy. They called a charge. And then Doc is going to, you know, challenge it. So they challenge it. And all of a sudden they come back and said it's a block. Now, was the fact that if it had been a charge, which it was, Embiid would have fouled out. Yeah. And probably the Cavaliers go on to win. You know, I mean, it's just, it's insulting. Yeah. If, you know, and I, I'd, I'd be happy to tell any of the officials back in New Jersey where they are, what is what are you drinking back there? Because <laughs> with all those monitors, this is what you come up with, that that a clear charge is a block. And and to say, well, there's a little movement. Yeah, his left earlobe might have moved a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, mainly because he's scared of just getting plowed over <laughs> like he got hit by a truck, which he did. So, sure. so that's it for me. I mean, if, <laughs> if that's the best a review can do for you, get rid of it. You know, Jerry, because, preach. Uh, I mean, I, I'm so pissed. I was so pissed about that. It all happened the same day. You guys, a whole bunch of you guys back there, you're reviewing, and that's what you come up with. Okay. That's really valuable. <laughs> Jerry, I'm curious, is there, uh, do you feel like it's just incompetence because these are new referees or do you feel like this is more, they're trying to build a narrative like, well, we need the, the Sixers to win and we'd like to have this, the Rosen game and we'd like this to go to overtime for viewership. Do you think it's uh, more nefarious than just incompetence? Boy, I, I hope it's just incompetence. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, You know, I mean, I don't mind officials missing calls during the game because I know they do. They're human. Yeah. And bang, bang plays. But that's the scary part is the review doesn't get it right. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that that is scary stuff. You know, yes. you, you it brings in all kinds of other thoughts. And I don't like to have those. And so that I love the game. And I mean, that just if in fact they can't get it right, then for God's sakes, get rid of it. And let's just live with what what the officials call Uh you know, because they're going to, you know, they're going to miss some, but it might as well just be them, not take two minutes to, to screw it up worse. So anyway, I get it out of my system. I feel better now. But that that was just ridiculous it, on both of those calls. And I mean, the Embiid one was even worse than the Harrison Barnes one. But there again on the three point shot, you know, I understand moving under a shooter. But their case, too, is like. We're, they're calling fouls now where, where the defender hasn't left his feet. He's two or three foot inside the three-point line, and a shooter will move, you know, as he shoots the ball, will flow in his direction. Well, that's not his fault. That's not Pachulia yeah. sliding his foot right. under a shooter. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I understand. I mean, to me, it's like, well, that's easy to see the difference. I mean, you know, there's, I mean, so in other words, you're telling me that you really cannot challenge a shot on a three-point shooter. That That's yeah. really what they're saying. And uh, so anyway, I, I feel better now. I don't know if I changed anything. <laughs> Thank you guys for letting me. No, you're good. Letting me rant. I just want to know if Fred Van Vliet's going to send me a check too if I rant, rant against the refs. Well, <laughs> well, Fred, uh, I don't know. I don't necessarily always agree with Fred. I mean, there again, I think it's a case where 
uh, I don't like that either where the players bitch and moan too much. And, you know, and I think, and I think that's created its own set of problems. I think sometimes officials are intimidated. Uh, Can I make that call now? You know, this sort of thing. And I, and I don't think they've got enough on their plate without that, (laughs) you know, really just, just try to, you know, call the game and uh, not, not be attacked on every friggin' call. So I don't think it serves that, you know, you, it serves no purpose. It doesn't help the game. It does not help the game. For sure. We got to just have Jerry do it. Fred, call Jerry next time and he'll yeah. get in touch with everybody in Secaucus. Save yourself yes. some money. Jerry Save will do it for some... half the price. We'll just have one monitor. We don't need 17 guys <laughs> looking at it, at it and having a committee meeting and uh, saying, well, boy, Embiid would foul out on that. Oh, we can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> just so, get rid of fouling well, out then. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. well, I feel I feel better. Well, no, good, I good. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, on behalf of the Kings Herald and um, mental health advocates everywhere, we'd like to thank you for uh, <laughs> listening to another episode of uh, of the Kings Herald Show. Um, we're uh, we're going to run over right now and go do a Patreon episode uh, for anyone who cares about listening, and uh, and uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks when we'll be five or six games from the end of the season. We'll be talking playoff matchups at that point and seeing where the Kings are then. So uh, it's weird to say it this late in the season, but I'm looking forward to talking basketball in two weeks with you guys. So we'll, we will see you guys then. Can't wait.